house. Welcome to Brother Jack this morning. He has a Texas accent. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So in Africa, when I say hallelujah, you say amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Makes me feel home. Every time I preach and I say hallelujah, they say hallelujah back at me. <laughs> but uh, thank you so much, uh, Pastor and wife, just having us. You guys are wonderful. Um, we, I want to say thank you to the church for letting them come and visit Africa, Zambia. Um, and thank you to Cody and Queen. It was such a wonderful time um, having them in Zambia. We took them on this little off-road um, to, to one of our village churches. And I didn't even tell him to prepare ahead of time, but when he got there, I said, Pastor, you preaching? And we had a, a bunch of people gathered together. You know, we, I think it was like a Tuesday or Wednesday or something like that. It wasn't even a Sunday um, um, morning. But we had a great time. We uh, preached, we danced, we sang. I mean, it was just beautiful. So thank you so much for sending them, and thank you for having us. Um, I hope you guys can understand me. Is my accent, Zambian accent okay? I was preaching in Tennessee about, I think, four or five years ago. And the pastor finally whispered to the lady who had come to Zambia and said, Hey, half of us can't understand him. Can you translate? So it's the first time in my life we had to translate from Zambian English to Tennessee English. You know, <laughs> but I don't blame them. I don't understand the Tennessee accent either, and I, I struggle a little bit with the Texan accent. I had a friend come from Big Spring, Texas. He stayed with us in Zambia, and you come to me and you say, um, "Hey, yo, Jack, I'm gonna help you fix a truck. I'm gonna take them tires." And every time I say, oh, "Excuse me, what, what, what?" So my wife would translate from Texas English to Zambian English for me. So I'll try to speak a little bit slower, and and hope you guys can understand me. But uh, we are so blessed to be here. Um, we from a ministry called Troll Missions. Um, our vision is find them, train them, send them. So it's very interesting how the vision started because we, the Lord gave us a vision before he even gave us a name of the ministry. So he says, find them, train them, send them. That's all I want you to do. Go find the unreached. After you found them, train them, teach them the word of God, disciple them. And after that, you send them. Said, oh, that's so cool, Lord, that's awesome. But what are we going to call our ministry? And I mean, we went in for weeks, praying for this and nothing. And then finally, 4 a.m., the Spirit of the Lord woke me up. And I heard the word trail. You're going to be preaching. You're going to be walking in trails to find the unreached. So I said, awesome. We're going to call our ministry trail missions. So I'm not a city pastor. We, we literally, I'm a bush pastor. You know, um, we, we go on these off-roads and just find the neglected, the unreached people groups. And we tell them about Jesus. So we have a, a video that we're going to show you. It's a, it's, um, um, this trip happened, I think, it's two years ago. And this is what a trip with troll missions looks like. It'll be the first one. Yeah. Dutch military truck. 
put chairs in the back. That's me driving the truck. I told him to cut the stamps so I had to run over it when I came back. dancing in Africa. We do night meetings just around the bonfire. Yes, yes, in Jesus' name, come out, come out. Saved, we baptize Praise the Lord. Yeah, so that's what a mission trip looks like. When So every time we, we come, at least every year, to America to recruit for mission teams to go over um, to Africa. And we literally, we'll hike, uh, we'll take our big truck, fill up our supplies, bring our tents, our gas stoves, our fridges, and we go camp in a village for about five, six days. And every day, we literally hike from village to village, telling everybody about Jesus. And then at night, it's a big old party. We, we build this big bonfire. We sing and dance around it, and we preach. We pray, cast out devils. I mean, it's an amazing experience. So I want to encourage people, if you want to come on a mission trip to Africa, please let us know, let the pastor know, and we'll take you out. This is, I mean, a real mission trip. You will, I mean, you will be out of your comfort zone. We'll, we'll cook on a, on a fire sometimes. We'll sleep in, in, the, in the tents. I mean, it's just an amazing experience. And getting to tell people who don't know about Jesus, uh, Jesus for the first time, it's amazing. Um, and then uh, my wife is really passionate about teaching or discipling people. So we have a Bible school we started last, uh, two years ago. So we bring some of the villagers to our mission base and to go through our two-year Bible school. It's actually one year, but because of mission teams, it took us two for the first one. And then last year in December, we graduated about 18 uh, students, 18 pastors, who are now in full-time ministry and serving Jesus in our ministry. Hallelujah. 
So there's a lot of growth, a lot of things happening, and we're very, very excited. Um, and then last year, our ministry took a little bit of a turn. Um, as we were preaching and, and praying for people, almost 80% of people who came for prayer had stomach problems. And I mean, I was like, man, there's something wrong in this area. Why is everybody having stomach problems, stomach bag? So we, we looked into it, and actually it was the water they were drinking. They were drinking dirt water. Um, and when we drove with, with Pastor Pretty and the wife, we, we saw the water they were drinking. I stopped the vehicle, and the little kid came and ran and showed us the water they were drinking. So last year, when we came to America, somebody blessed us with a drilling machine. So we were able to drill wells. Um, and give them clean water. And it's amazing the difference you see in a community, you know, health-wise. And just kids are happy. The kids, you don't see them running around with little bloated bellies anymore because they haven't drink, uh, they drink clean water. And it opens up a huge door for our ministry because people see that, oh, they're not just here to shove the Bible down our throat. They actually love us enough to provide clean water as well. And it's been a huge, huge tool. Uh, it opens up so many doors for us. Uh, to do um, this well. So we have a short little two-minute video. I want to show you uh, the, the well drilling uh, ministry that we do as well. So. When's the last time you had to question the water you were drinking? When's the last time you found something in your water? Or how about when's the last time you had to scoop your water from six feet underground only to risk stomach inflation and disease? It's pretty morbid, but it's the reality of so many lives in Africa, especially Zambia. With so many villages in the bush and being so far away from any kind of developed city, the access to clean water rarely exists. For this country, the water table is six feet, and what most have to do is just dig a hole far enough until they reach it and hope to live off of it. In fact, many share their watering hole with the animals they own as well. The fact of the matter is this. These people desire clean water, and not out of selfishness, but out of desperateness. They need someone who can help them get access, and that's where we come in. Trail Missions has many objectives and goals within its organization, and one of them is well drilling. Our goal for this year is to drill up to 20 wells that will provide clean water to over 6,000 people, and they need your help. Each well costs about $4,000 to drill. We have the supplies, we have the machinery, we have the ability. All we need is the access, and you hold the key. When a child tastes water for the first time, it's clean. Do you know what they say? It tastes sweet. These children are calling for your help. Will you answer? Lord. Yeah. It was amazing when we drew our very first well. I mean, I'm African. I grew up in Africa, and I didn't see, I mean, that ex- extreme, you know, where people are actually drinking. You saw them. They dig like a six-foot hole and, and drink water from there. So when we drew our face one, we took our machine, our trucks out there, and the kids came forward. And when we're pumping the water for the first time, the kids were running. And I'm like, man, come on, come down. It's, it's, it's not going to run out. It's enough for everybody. 
So the first kid takes um, a little water and drinks it. And the kid says in my language, says, Mezia munati. And I'm like, what do you mean? So in English it says, this water is sweet. The kid is about 12 years old and has never tasted clean water in his life. So his reaction is, this water is sweet. I mean, it just blew my mind. From there, I was like, you know what? Next year, we only did four wells last year. So I said, this year, I'm believing God to do at least 20 wells that will give clean water to about 6,000 people. So we're very, very excited. So if you want to be a part of that, let us know. Let the pastor know and we can um, pick it up from there. Amen. Amen. All right. Hallelujah. So this is my favorite part, by the way, is when we get to minister. So I'll have my... Not yet? <laughs> All righty. Um, all right, I, think, I guess I'll go first. She'll, she'll wrap it up. Um, so I want us to, to look into Luke chapter 18. I know you love to hear more about Africa. Don't worry, my wife will tell you more. She's a storyteller. I, we, we can get somebody, I mean, we got somebody healed who was lame, get out of the wheelchair, they're walking. And somebody asked me to testify. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, this kid was cool. We laid hands on him. He, he walked out. Just that. She'll go into the details and tell you his, his reaction. So she's a better storyteller than I am. I'm just like, yeah, we prayed for him. He got healed and we move on. So, but um, Luke 18. Is it okay if we pull up um, the Amplified Bible? On, yeah, Luke 18. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord says, Hear what the unrighteous judge says, Will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Hallelujah. Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much for today. We thank you for this beautiful morning. We thank you for your presence. We thank you, God, for this lovely body of cross. God, we thank you for your presence and anointing this morning. We thank you for your word. Father, I pray that your word will bear fruit. God, you will bless your people. You will transform your people. God, I pray those that are discouraged will be encouraged this morning. Those that feel like giving up, God, you will touch them. And they will keep fighting. They will keep going forward. We love you. And we bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hallelujah. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible because I've been through these situations before. And I love how Jesus starts telling this parable. He says, um, to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. So when I start talking about two things in the scripture, he's like, he's teaching his disciples, he's telling them a story through a parable. And he says, number one, there's two things you always need to do. Number one is to always pray. And number two is not lose heart. Two things. Hallelujah. Now, when he's talking about always praying, he's not talking about raising your voice. I mean, when, when we got saved, we were very charismatic. You know, we, we had brothers in high school um, who were so spiritual inclined. 
that we, they'll, they'll greet each other in tongues. You know what I mean? Little extreme. You know, how are you brother? Oh, I'm blazing highly fervent. You know, it, it's just, but he's talking about more of being conscious of God all the time. Always praying. Always in connection with the Father. Conscious of his presence. Communicating with him. Even when you're driving. When, when you're talking. When you're hanging out with family. You are aware of his presence. So he says, there's one thing you, you always need to do. Pray and don't lose heart. Now, it's not always, it's easy to say, hey, you got to pray always. But there comes a situation whereby everything is falling apart. And you don't even want to get on your knees anymore. Everything is falling apart around you. So if somebody tells you to pray, it's like they've told you a case where you say, pray? Don't you see what's happening in my life? Are you blind? How many of you have been through that situation before? Where you, you just think, no, 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 leave me alone. Don't tell me to pray. Don't tell me to worship God. I just want to have time to myself. I just want to relax. I just want to hang back. And the Lord says, no, 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 no. Always and always doesn't mean in the good times alone or only in the bad times. There's two kinds of Christians here. There's those who only pray when things are going great. When they get a good check. When everything is good, everybody's complimenting them, everybody's loving them, and ooh, they are serious, they're loving Jesus, and they are praying. And there's another group of people, when everything is going good, when they get a job, they don't talk to God, they don't pray, uh uh-uh. But when things get bad, that's when they run to God. Hallelujah. But the Lord is telling us, we need to pray always in the bad and in the good. When we are blessed, When we are happy, when things are going well for us, we need to pray always. And then, when things are not going good, when things are not bad, when everybody's saying bad things about you, people are betraying you, people are gossiping about you, says, even in those times, you need to pray. Hallelujah. I'm going to be honest with you, there's moments where, I mean, I just lay on bed and say, you know what, God, I know you're there, but I don't want to talk to you. Anybody, any witnesses? Man, you are very holy and perfect in this church. When do <laughs> you've done a good job? But there's times in my life where I say, you know what? I, I just want to sit, watch watch the ceiling. That's it. But God, no, 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 son. That is the time you need me the most. When you feel like everything you've lost all hope, that's the time I'm even closer to you. So He says, but I want to teach you through this story of this woman. She goes to the judge and says, hey, give me justice. I mean, this, this is a really, really bad guy. I mean, doesn't get waste on this. He says, I don't fear God nor respect him. I mean, doesn't get waste on that. Can you imagine going to a judge like that? You know he's going to look after your case. And the guy you're going to for justice says, I don't fear God nor do I respect him. In short, he's saying, I don't care about your God. And then you go in there and say, hey, give me justice. And the guy says, no, sorry, I'm not going to help you. Following day, she goes again. Knock, 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 it's me. Give me justice. Says, woman, I told you, get lost. Says, oh, fine, sir, I'm sorry to bother you. She goes home. Following day, knock, knock. Can you imagine? He opens the door. It's her. And I'm sure she's like, it's me again. What do you want? Give me justice. No, sorry, I'm not going to help you. But guess what? The Bible says, this woman never quit. Yes. Yes. She did not 
Stop. Number one mission of the enemy is to make you quit. That's number one of his, uh, his, his goals. It's to make people quit. Make pastors quit. Make missionaries quit. I, I can tell you story upon story. Missionary friends who I started with in Africa. Love Jesus. And now, they're back in America. Flipping hamburgers. They've been sucked back in the system. They have no passion for the lost anymore. No passion for Jesus. The system sucked them in. And they quit. And the enemy, when you quit, guess who? He wins. When you stop fighting, the enemy wins. So everything was going against this woman. And she had it. Can you imagine three, four times going to this guy and says, Get lost. I don't want to see you again. Most of us will say, You know what? Whatever happens, I'm, I'm going to, you know, she probably would have had suicidal thoughts. You know, why, why am I here? Why am I alive? Let me just take my life. Let me do this. Let me do that. She says, No, 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 no. I am not going to stop until I get what I want. I want to talk to Christians in this place who say, listen, I will not stop until, what I, get, until I get what I want from the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. I will not stop praying. I will not stop worshiping until heaven responds. This woman says, I'm not stopping. I don't care what you tell me. I am not stopping. Yeah. I don't care what mama says. I want to run to daddy. <laughs> Hallelujah. And let's, let's, let's read that. It says, verse 4, For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I never fear God, nor respect man, I don't fear him. I don't respect him. Now let's do the Amplified. Even though I don't fear God, or care what people think. My goodness. He doesn't care about nobody. What do you think about this guy? Yet because his widow keeps bothering me, I'll see that she gets justice. In short, he's saying, I am not going to help this woman because she's special. I'm not going to help this woman because she gave me some money or she bribed me. No, there is one reason I'm going to help this woman. And it's because she won't quit. Let's go back to the story. Let's go back to five. So that she won't eventually come and attack me. I love the Amplified. It's very loud. I'll give her justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Let's go to six. I mean five. Yeah. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And I will will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones. Listen, listen, listen. His chosen ones who worship beautifully. His chosen ones who give the biggest tithe. His chosen one who dress nice to church. His chosen ones who walk perfectly. His chosen ones who do what? Who cry out to him day and 
and nigh. In short, he's saying his chosen ones who will not quit. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Come rain, come sunshine. This group of people doesn't quit. They don't stop. They keep fighting. They keep going after that thing from God. We, we keep putting them off. I tell you, he will see that they get justice. Ha, I love it. What's the next sentence? And uh-uh, I didn't hear you. And how many of you need some answers from Jesus quickly? Say, so Jesus, I need this bill paid now. I need this loan now. I need a wife now. I need to save my, my, my marriage now. The Bible says he will see to it that they get justice. And not for long. No, quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And that's a question Jesus is now asking. So when I come back, will I still find people in love with me? Will I still find people worshiping? Will I still find people passionate about me? Will I still find people with faith? There's moments in my life when everything, when we started our ministry, we, we, we would go and plant churches. And you start with a family of six. You go next week, the grandmother came. So now it's seven. You go the following week, back to six. And I sit at our base and say, God, is this really what you called me to do? Is, is there more or this is it? You told me you give me the nations. You give me the villages. But is, is, is this it? And everything inside of me wanted to quit. I mean, you start a ministry and then within a year, half or three quarters of your board members quit on you. Because they've never been to Africa. They don't understand what's happening in Africa. They quit on you. I mean, everything, every inch of faith inside you want just to give up. Say, you know what? I'm just done. I'll go back to business. I'll go back to do something else. I'll go get a job. But it's something inside that tells you, keep fighting. Keep fighting. Keep fighting. There's moments on our mission base when we don't know where we're going to get salaries for the pastors. There's some moments where we don't know where we're going to get money for the fuel. I look at the other ministries. I mean, they're just buying every brand new vehicle every six months. They're drilling like 20, 100 wells. And I look and say, God, is this really what you called me to do? And then all of a sudden, there is a breakthrough. God is never too late. Do you hear what I said? God is never too late. If only you hold on. If only you hold on to the rope, help is coming. Do you hear what I said? If only you hold on and let go, help is coming. There's a lady in the Bible. Who went to Jesus for healing for her daughter? So I think it's Matthew 15. Let's read it real quick. Matthew 
Matthew 15, 21. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying after us. He answered, I was not sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Hallelujah. Here's a woman. She needs healing, deliverance for her daughter. She goes to Jesus, who is the most loving man ever lived the earth, the most caring man. And the first thing she, go, she says, she says, have mercy on me. So she's going to him on the basis that I don't deserve it. I know I'm a Canaanite. I don't deserve the healing. You only send to the, to the house of Israel. I don't qualify. She says, I know Jesus. I don't qualify for this. But have mercy. Mercy is when you get something you don't deserve. You're supposed to get fired, but you get promoted. Mercy. You're not only forgiven, you're given something in return. Hallelujah. Not only were our sins forgiven on the cross, but we were given given his righteousness. He blessed us. He qualified us. So he, he didn't just forgive us and let us like that. No, 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 no. He cleansed us. He washed us. And he gave us more. He gave us sonship. He were accepted. It's mercy. You don't deserve it, man. So this woman says, listen, I know Jesus. I I don't qualify. I understand that. But please have mercy. There is something about the mercies of God. So the Bible says they are new every morning. When God was about to destroy the children of Israel, Moses didn't go and say, look how strong we've prayed. Look how faithful we've been. Look how much we've kept the law. No, he says, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy. He says, you are a merciful God. If you destroy them, they'll say, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, that's not the God we know. The moment somebody touches on the mercies of God, that's why even the Bible says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. So this woman goes to Jesus and the first thing is, I'm going to pull the mercy card. You need to have that mercy card. Say, God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on my child. He's a drug addict, but have mercy on him. You need to pull that mercy card anytime you need help from God. God, I might not have been faithful in my walk with you, but please have mercy. Go to him open. Say, God, I know I've failed, but have mercy. And that's how the woman goes to Jesus. First thing, say, please have mercy on me. I don't deserve it. I don't qualify have mercy. And Jesus says, no, I'm not going to help you. Same story. He, literally, Jesus turns this woman away. He says, no, I'm not going to help you. And that sounds kind of terrible. But I really believe Jesus is going to see if this woman will come again. If she really needs what she wants, she won't ask him once. So he turns her away. He says, you know what, Jesus? I'm not giving up. You are the son of God and you came for everybody, including me. So she goes back and says, you know what? Please have mercy, help me out. And this time, he says, no. He says something very offensive. He says, we don't give bread 
children's bread to the dogs. Can you imagine Jesus calling you a dog? I mean, if pastor stood here and called you a dog, I'm sure everybody will leave this church. So that man is evil. He called me a dog. I'm not going to church anymore. Now, lesson number one, when you want to get or receive something from God, please don't get offended. Did you hear what I said? Offense will block and stop you from receiving what God has for you. People get offended. The pastor doesn't visit me. The pastor doesn't greet me. He doesn't text me anymore. Or the, or, or the pastor doesn't, doesn't bless me. And people build this offense. Or the words he told me when, when I went for counseling, he rebuked me, corrected me. And people have this big offense around them. And he blocks them from receiving what the man of God has for them and what God has prepared for them. So this woman says, listen to me. I don't care if I'm a dog, but I'm coming, Jesus. I don't care if I'm poor or rich or black or white or Hispanic. I am coming because I know you have something for me. She didn't quit. She didn't get offended. Hallelujah. I'm like, I don't care what names people call me. I don't care what they say about my ministry. I know what God calls me. I'm a child of God. I'm anointed. I've been called. I'm redeemed. Hallelujah. She says, Jesus, I want to teach you something. In case you don't know, even dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And Jesus says, whoa. I've never seen this kind of faith. Come on. Get what you want. Hallelujah. He responds to faith. says, you're going to get what you want. Some of you can say, Jack, you've no idea what I've gone through. I don't care what you've gone through. There's an answer for you. Yeah. Jack, I've been broke for so many years. No, there is, it is not too late for Jesus. Yeah. I've been single for so many times. It's never too late for Jesus. The world always teaches the easy way out. Even parents now. If, if it's not nice to you anymore, you need to check out. The world always encourages us to quit. Quit on our marriages. Some of us, my marriages might be on the rocks. And everything inside of you wants you to walk out. I came to tell you this morning that hold on. I told you, hold on. Some of you will say, Jack, I've, I've fought this disease for so many years. It's not ha- happening. I came to tell you this morning, hold on. Help is on the way. Come on, help is on the way. Say, Jack, I've tried every business in the world. I've tried this and this and that. My finances are just in shambles. They're not working now. I came to tell you, don't quit. Keep fighting. But Jack, this disease is just killing. I don't care if you're going to crawl. You can't walk anymore. Just touch the hands of Jesus. Help is on the way. Jack, everything I try falls apart. Everything I touch crumbles. Help is on the way. Even the dog eat the crumbles that fall from the master's table. You ready? Amen. What time are we going to finish, Pastor? What time are we going to finish? <laughs> you don't tell an African that. <laughs> we just keep preaching. Hallelujah. Um, you know, God is such a good God. I think sometimes we forget when we're going through those hard times that he is truly good in the midst of what we see happening around us. 
And and we go and you know as my husband says don't quit, don't give up because he is right there waiting with an answer. Yeah. Um I was listening to someone preach once and and I was just thinking, you know, when the huge problem happened in your life, God didn't go, "Oh!" All of us, when something goes wrong in our finances or in our marriage or in whatever's going on around us, the first thing we do is, oh! but God knew it was going to happen and has made a way to, to bring you through and out the other side. And I love the scriptures in Psalms 23 where it says, when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for he is with you. He is with you. He is going through the valley with you. And I like to tell people, don't stop when you go through the valley. Keep on walking because you're going to come out the other side. There is a valley, and it's not a good place. But that's not the place he's leading you to. He's leading you to the still waters. He's leading you to the place of restoration. He's leading you. But you got to walk through. You can't sit down and cry and complain and say, oh, woe is me. I can tell you on the mission field, <laughs> it's, it's not an easy place. You go 10,000 miles away from everything that you've ever known in your life to a different culture, to different languages. Zambia has 72. I still only speak English. <laughs> and I go into this new language where everybody talks around you and you're like, I, I just can't quite hear it. And um, everyone asked me, do you know Lozi? And I'm like, <laughs> we moved to the Western province four years ago, and four years ago is when my firstborn was born. And my brain stopped. <laughs> when I say my brain stopped, my brain stopped. I couldn't remember a thing. I couldn't function. We moved down into our own ministry with a brand new baby being a brand new mother not knowing anything of where we were. We lived two hours driving from the closest grocery store. And actually the closest one, you got to cross a border and go into a whole other country. I know that doesn't, it's like going into Mexico. Like if you traveled from here into Mexico to get groceries. <laughs> That's what we do when we want to go shopping. So you can just imagine how your life goes. And people are like, do you speak the language? And I'm like, no. Do you try? I can greet. But Muzwile Chwani is good morning. And, you know, it's just not easy. I can greet in the morning, in the noon, and, and, and in the evening. And I can say, come here. The way that children should come, not the way adults should. <laughs> And you wonder, so you, here you are and you're walking and, and as my husband would say, we're starting everything anew, but it's exactly where God wants us to be. But when you walk through the valley of the shadow, we start 
on a piece of property that has no electricity. We had a little generator and we bought a, gra a gas freezer. I could freeze things. No refrigeration, just a freezer. <laughs> and you make it work. Now, four years later, we pumped up, let me just describe us a little more. We pumped water from the Zambezi River. So our water, we could shower in it, but we couldn't drink it. And so here I am. And my husband was so kind that he went back and he built us two rooms, a bathroom and a closet. So my house, I, it's about as big as from those poles to me here. <laughs> square from each pole. That would be about the size of the house I live in. Now I have two children and we live in this beautiful, small, you call it a cottage, we call it a chalet. And we love it. And I'm like, God, my children have their own bedroom one day. <sighs> you know, you have those moments in life. You're like, you know, it would be nice if there were a few things that happened here so that things could be better along the way. And I don't want to complain in the state that I am. But this year, I can tell you, you know, we walked through the generator and someone came along and they bought us solar power. Solar power was great until the rains came and then it stopped working because there was no sun. <laughs> so it's great. Then it's not so great. And then everything spoils in your refrigeration because it was two weeks without sun. And you're like, oh, I'm going back into that valley. <laughs> Please, God, just give me enough sun to charge so I can keep my refrigerator on. And we go again. <laughs> and the sun comes out, and you're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. And we walk, and we walk. So my dream, I've been a missionary almost 20 years. I went straight from Bible school to Africa. I moved there in 99. So if this is 19, that means I'm hitting 20 years in June. And in 20 years, I can tell you what it's like to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and come out the other side. And you walk again. When I started, I went to a place that I had no idea where I was going. All I knew was that God loved these people. And if he loved them, I was to love them too. Were they different than me? Yes, they were. But they were beautiful. And they had beautiful cultures. And I always think it's funny because God sent me to this tribe. But the women didn't wear shirts. I mean, that's just an awkward place to be sent to. And they wore goatskin skirts, and, and, the, and the men wore a little flap in the front and a flap in the back. I mean, the, there was not much covering anything in any of these people. And I'm like, God, why did you call me here? Like, you know, I was Iowa farm girl. We just wear T-shirts and jeans every single day of our entire life, and we're always okay. <laughs> Then one day I walked in my t-shirt and jeans and one of, the, one of the men said, are you a lady or a man? Wow. Uh, was it that, you know, skirts that important to you? <laughs> so here you are and you're walking. 
I remember one day we go out to this village and we're going to preach the gospel. And as we're, we drive up to the village and, and we go to preach, the men, they actually gathered for a funeral. And all the men were over on this side and we walked up to them and said, we want to share with you about the love of God. And they said, we don't want to hear anything. And your heart is like, I have driven for three days and I've been bouncing in a vehicle and bouncing in a vehicle until I feel like I'm sick and the people that I come to preach to don't want to hear anything. And they said, by the way, there is a sick baby that the witch doctor's praying for. You could go pray for that baby if you wanted to. So all rejected, I walk over. And I'm like, God, what do I do with the witch doctor? I'm only 21. At 21, do you know what to do with the witch doctor? Because I didn't know what to do with the witch doctor when I was 21. <sighs> so I walk over to the witch doctor and praise God for the pastors with me. He said, he started talking to the witch doctor and said, you know, you need Jesus. And the witch doctor says, I don't want Jesus. And that their conversation didn't go very well. And the witch doctor left and left us with the mom and the baby and the father, the baby that's sick. I had never seen such a sick baby. Like, this baby laid, eyes wide open, long periods of time, and you only knew that he was alive because every once in a while you barely saw his chest raise and lower. And I'm like, God, what do I do? What do I do in this situation? And he says to pick up the baby. But what I forgot to tell you about this tribe is they smear red clay mixed with animal fat, meaning they smell like rotten meat. And he said, pick up the baby. And I am like, if I pick up this baby, I got four more days to go without a shower and I am going to smell like rotten meat for the next four days. And I'm like, okay, God, you said pick up the baby, but... I really didn't want it on my clothes. I mean, they're just lathered like lotion in this red clay within. So I held baby a little bit at a distance. And I said, God, what do I do? What do I do? And I heard these words. He says, speak life. So I said it. I speak life in Jesus' name. 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 And I watched the life of God go into that baby. I watched that life breathe. I mean, this baby just like went and just breathed and cooed. And I watched. It took about 15 minutes of praying and not giving up. But I watched. I watched God move that day. And I want you to know we can be a part of all that God is doing. I'm no one special. All I did is say one day, God, if nobody else will go, I'll go. I looked at my hands and I said, God, I don't know if there's anything special about these hands, but if nobody else will lay hands on the sick. You know, people ask you all the time, you know, if I lay hands on the sick, what if they don't get healed? And I just ask you the question, what if they do? 
What if they do get healed? What if God uses you like you've never been used before? What if they do? Because you don't quit. You don't give up. You keep going. And when you do that, you see God. I can tell you, God wants to do great things in and through all of you. Um, I think somebody told me my time's up. (laughs) But I want you to know God, he loves you. And he loves you so much that he's not going to keep you walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But you're going to go through it. And you're going to come out the other side. And you're going to see his power. To tell you about our home now, we have clean water because of the well, that was, the, the rig that was given to us. We can drink beautiful, sweet water, praise the Lord. This year, not only that, but we have electricity that's like the grand electricity, real electricity. So my refrigerators don't go off anymore. Amen. I can tell you, you walk through, but you come out the other side. And I'm going to let my husband finish this up. <laughs> Hallelujah. Would love to pray for me. Is there somebody who plays the keyboard here? Thank you, or the guitar, whatever. Just somebody. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We've got to finish strong. When things are hard, don't give the enemy a chance to ever think that he's winning. When things get tough, don't give him an opportunity to think he's having a victory because he's a loser. So when things are tough, that's the time to rise up and say, you know what? I'm going to praise my Jesus. I'm going to hold on tight. Amen, sister. That's where I'm going to hold on tight. When we drive in the bush, we're going to our churches. I told Pastor Pretty that, hey, put on your seatbelts. Because the ride is about to get rough. We don't have the nice roads. I mean, the cities, Lusaka, they have the nice roads. But where we are, we don't have... There's one road in the town. One road. One street. You can't get lost. It's just one street. So when you go to the villages, I mean, it's just dead road. So I told them, guys, put on your seatbelts. Or hang on. It's about to get rough. When things are about to get rough, that's the time to hold on. Put that seatbelt of faith on. Make it tight. You are important. Don't give up at the workplace. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't quit on it. The enemy is waiting on the other side to celebrate when you quit. So don't give him a chance. Don't give him an opportunity to celebrate when you quit. Hold on. Bible says weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. It's always the darkest right before dawn. It might get a little bit rougher, but hold on. You might not be able to walk anymore. But hold on. I'm weak. But Jesus, I'm coming. I might be beat up, but Jesus, I'm coming. I might not even be able to raise my hands up, but Jesus, I'm coming to worship you. I don't even have words. I'm so weak. I'm so discouraged. I don't even have words to say in my worship, but Jesus, I'm coming the way I am. There's a song we used to sing when we just got saved and it says, just take me the way I am.